All right, here's uh, another elite member of TSN. Here's our good friend Josh Lewenberg. How you doing, J. Lou? Doing good, Hayes. What's up? Well, I'm trying to figure out what's up with the Raptors because, you know, prior to that game last night, they were cooking, right? They had won, yeah. what did they won, seven of the last eight. Now, they did not play great competition. A lot of games against Detroit, Orlando, the Jazz were in there, the Pelicans without Zion. Then they run into Cleveland last night and they lose by 25. So, which is more meaningful, the game last night or the previous, you know, seven or eight games? <laughs> Can you call me back in a week and I'll answer that question? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of them right now. I, I'm choosing to take last night's loss with a grain of salt. I, I mean, I, I don't think it was too hard to see that coming, just given the circumstances. Second night of a back-to-back, no Fred Van Vliet. You're on the road. You're facing not only a really good Cleveland Cavaliers team, but a team that the Raptors had beat already three times this year it's really tough to to sweep a a team of that caliber and I would imagine the Cavs had that in their mind going into the game last night so yeah I I mean I'm not reading a ton into that but at the same time yeah I don't know how much to read into what was probably their most successful stretch of the season to this point as you mentioned seven wins in eight games but five of them came against bottom five teams Another one of those wins came against Memphis, missing three starters. And even the New Orleans win, I think we can confidently say the New Orleans win was the best one of that group, but that was without Zion as well. So, yeah, is this an improving team? Is this a team that's getting better, or is it a team that was beating up on bad teams? Probably a little bit of both, but I would say at some point in the very near future, they're going to have to start showing it against teams in or around their tier. And the schedule is sort of lines up like that, where the next three games come against the two teams that are right below them in the standings, uh, Chicago tomorrow, and then a couple games in Washington coming up. And then the schedule gets even tougher with a bunch of games out West on the road. And uh, overall at the bottom or five, one of the five hardest schedules left in, in the NBA. So yeah, I think we're going to find out uh, a bunch about where this team is headed over the next few weeks. Jay Lou, whenever the fan base or people involved here, personal reasons, I, I think there's a level of concern that comes into play. And then when it stretches out past one game, should people be concerned? Is there any update? Like, I think people are like, is this guy okay? Perfectly. Yes. Uh, he and his wife had a baby so oh. uh, he, he is yes it is a good good reasons good personal reasons he and his wife had their third child um and as far as i understand he's expected to be back tomorrow yeah so that's it's a different time right it's a different era where there was a time when players would play through that. I, I think, Fred, I think a lot of modern sports now, I think that's kind of cool how teams are giving players the option. They should, man. And, that that nonsense in the past, Hayes, of yeah. putting eyes on your own child and then sprinting to the airport, I think that's ludicrous. Yeah. You get paid a lot of money, but that is ludicrous. Well, look, it's happening with Alejandro Kirk. He still hasn't shown up to spring training. They're waiting for their child to be born. And, and I credit the Jays for saying, go ahead, you know, take your time. It's not ideal for us but it's a it's a big life event the same thing like you said with fred and they miss him you know you look at some of the minutes being dispersed last night it's not an injury though to your point it'll be okay and he's, he's going to return but that position 
You know, that, that, that depth at guard, it just it has not been there really since Kyle left, Josh. And when Fred's out, man, even though he hasn't had the greatest season, you can feel that absence. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm going to agree with you guys there. As an expecting father myself, I, I'm not going to criticize the guy for taking a few days to be with his family. Yes, sir. But, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely, they've missed him. And I, I think especially in the game against Cleveland, the thing is, like, I, I'm not sure that his absence actually changed any of the results. They won two out of the three games against opponents that they should probably beat. And then the game against Cleveland, as we talked about, for so many reasons, they were probably going to lose that game anyway. But, yeah, without him on the floor, listen, it's tough to win in this league without a real point guard for all the reasons that we've talked about over the years of how tough it's been to win without a center. And, obviously, having Jakob Pertl out there helps a great deal. The point guard position is really important as well. And while Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam can do a lot of different things that I think help you there, they can certainly run the point and run the offense in a pinch. And I think Jakob Pertl helps with his passing as well. It's just not the same thing, right? Like, we've seen some good passing recently, but that's not the same as actually running and organizing an offense. And Van Lee, for all of his faults, and... I mean, there's no getting around the fact that he hasn't had a great season, uh, but he brings so many things to the table that this Raptors team just, they don't have elsewhere. Now, I do think Jeff Doughton has been interesting here recently for no other reason than he has been a bit of an upgrade at the backup point guard spot. It's pretty clear now that Nick Nurse has given opportunities to Malachi Flynn and, and Delano Banton in the past. And those guys haven't taken advantage of the opportunity. So they're searching here. And I've liked what I've seen with Doughton to the point where, like, I think he's going to get a bit more run coming up. If nothing else, they want to see what he can do because as a two-way player, they've got to make a decision on him relatively soon. He's not eligible to play in the playoffs. The Raptors were to make it that far. So they've got to see if it's worth giving him a regular NBA deal. And then, of course, deciding what happens with him afterwards. He's a little bit older for a guy that you would expect in, in that role to a player development piece. He's 25 years old. He's bounced around a little bit uh, around the league, but I look at that as a feature more than a bug where at this point in time, you could actually turn to him to play reliable minutes, uh, rotation minutes reliably at that position. Um, so that, that's where they're at at this point. They don't have a lot of depth behind Van Vliet. They clearly need him out there. The good news is, I mean, at this point last year, he was already starting to break down, whereas here it's kind of the opposite uh, this season where after a slow start, he's playing the best basketball uh, of his season. So, yeah, if they are going to make a late-season run and salvage the season, they're going to need him to play a lot, and they're going to need to play a pretty big role here. Speaking of big roles, Scotty Barnes is going to be the guy that everyone's hitching their wagons to moving forward. Would you, would you not agree with that, J. Lou? Yeah, I, I think they go as he goes. Probably okay. a pretty big reason why they got off to that slow start is he got off to the slow start. Okay, so do you think that amongst the players he's fully respected and trusted moving forward, that he is going to be the guy? I think sometimes when a rookie takes off like he did, he wins the rookie of the year, it kind of goes the like one way or the other. They show up back at training camp, and they're really dialed in. They understand what it takes to move everything even more forward, or it kind of takes a little bit of a step back. How do you think he is received amongst kind of the veteran guys in that locker room? It's a really good question, Oh, And I do think, like, in terms of trust and respect, I think it's there. 
But I do think that there is maybe some skepticism amongst some of the more experienced players on the team, and for no other reason than you look at the makeup of this team, and we've talked about it a lot over the years. Pascal Siakam, uh, late bloomer, late first-round pick, Fred Van Vliet, undrafted. You could probably go down the list, and, and that's the case with most of these guys on the team, is they're players that didn't come in with the high pedigree, high prospect. They had to fight and, and earn their way. So even the, those two guys that I mentioned, Van Vliet and Siakam, that are, are sort of the, the face of the team right now that uh, the organization caters to, they probably feel like, yeah, okay, well, we, we earned that. And there might be some animosity, a little bit of animosity here and there, at least that skepticism that I talked about with a guy that comes in as a top four pick that's sort of crowned and, and given that role right right off the bat where there has been a lot of ups and downs, games where he's played really well, games or at least quarters where he hasn't played well. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I do get the sense here and there that some of the guys kind of look at that and say, well, that, that's not entirely fair. But at the same time, that's the business. That's the way that it works. And I, I think at the end of the day, they understand that, like, he's the future of, of this team. And even in the present, as I mentioned, he, when, when he plays well, that goes a long way in determining how far this team is going to go or whether or not this team is playing well. Well, they're in Chicago tomorrow, and based on the standings, it, it's you know the most important, or they play Chicago tomorrow, it's the most important game of the year, is it not, Josh? I mean, in terms of just keeping them... They all them, are at this point. They really are, but when you look at the standings, like your yeah. Chicago's the, the team on the outside looking in, and, and Indiana's going the wrong way, I think they're gone, and the other teams, they've, they've been out for quite some time. Really, if you're talking about the play-in in Chicago, you're just trying to keep out. Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to squeeze into the play-in, but at that point, like, you don't want to be 10th, right? Like, then you got to win a couple of games in the play-in, both of them on the road, just for the right to squeeze into the playoffs and probably have a hard time with the first-seeded team. So anything that you can do from there, at least, like, all right, you climb to ninth, and then all of a sudden you're hosting one of those play-in games. You mm-hmm. climb to seven or eight, and then you only need to win one of those games as opposed to two. And obviously the goal for all those teams in that mix is to climb up to six. The problem is, like, the Knicks look legit, right? Like, they've had a good season. They've gotten better as the year has gone on. And even the Raptors, like, as they turn things around a little bit here over the last few weeks, the problem is the Knicks, like, they're, they're still playing well. They've won, I think, four or five in a row. So the Raptors haven't gained a whole lot of ground on New York, even as they've been winning games here. Brooklyn is sliding a little bit, as you would expect, after the, the trades uh, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so maybe there's a chance that catching them. The problem is there's a lot of teams in that mix. So not only do the Raptors need to get hot here and they need some help from New York, but you're also hoping that all those teams in between, in addition to the teams behind them in Washington and Chicago, don't get hot. So, yeah, these are important games coming up this week, Chicago, Washington. And even if you look beyond that, like you've got a bunch of games coming up against teams in that mix. You've got to win them at this point. Like, yeah, the games like Cleveland the other night, those are going to happen, but you can't have a whole lot of those here over the next few weeks. Really, like to catch New York at the Knicks' pace right now, you've got to go, I don't know, like – 15 and 5, something in that neighborhood mm-hmm. in order to catch them. That's going to be really, that really tough. Not impossible. Likely. Not impossible, but considering this is a team that hasn't gone on long winning streaks at all this year, 
Like, I, I don't know that based on the body of work, we can feel confident. No, I don't think you can. I think it might be more likely that Brooklyn is the one that falls off. I mean, may, maybe yeah. if they really start to lose a lot of ball games, that is the spot that becomes available. But yeah, the Raptors have got to, they got to win a lot of games. Like they're well aware of that. And it starts again with Chicago, then at Scotiabank tomorrow night. You'll be down there all over it as always. Thank you for doing this, Jay Lou. We'll do it again soon. All right, guys. Talk soon. Josh Lewenberg, our Raptors reporter. And Chicago's a game and a half back of the Raptors, and they're a half game behind Washington for the 10th seed. So the Raps are currently in ninth, which means they would host that play-in game. If they won that, they would go on the road, as of now, either at Miami or at Atlanta. So It's not very compelling, whatever you want to call not it. Not overly it, compelling. No, it's, no just, it's not. But And I'm not as fair weather as you've got to go to the NBA Finals to get my interest, but... They're in the no-man's land where it's just you can yep. win four, you get people's attention, and then you drop a game, and then you get spanked, and then it's like, okay, you're not that good. Mm-hmm. And then you glance at the standings, and a team like the Knicks, who was, they're just the Knicks. They've been the Knicks forever, and they're ahead of them. So it's like, what are you actually doing? Yeah, that's what I think a lot of people are wondering, and that's why it's no was, man's land. Yeah, it's, they are. That's the where worst, they are. Yeah, it's the yeah. worst place to be. They're not in a position to, to likely win a lottery. I mean, that's not what they're pursuing right now. And they, with every win or every run where they pick up a lot of wins, those odds become less and less, and they're going to get in. And so you're not in that situation, and you're not Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Clippers, Memphis. You're not one of the big boys that have a legitimate shot of winning a title. They, they literally are defined as a middle-of-the-ground team. That's what so they are. I asked J. Lou about Scotty Barnes. Did they not blow it up and, and go scorched earth? to protect him and they didn't want him to be doing that the rest of the season or, i think it's possible i think like why else wouldn't they have done it i think Masai he believes in in the culture of winning and what that means is you are always trying you know and i, I and i agree with that philosophy i think it's very dangerous to completely bottom out it, it may be beneficial if you get that one guy you know, if you win the lottery and you get that one guy, then then I think it's worth it. But if you are constantly awful and you don't get that one guy, if you're Detroit, now maybe Cade Cunningham is that guy he's injured now, who knows. If you're Houston, although Houston had a great run for a while and it's only been a few years where they've really had to pay for it. Charlotte, Orlando. Like Charlotte and Orlando have been awful for a long time. Forever. And it's all in Detroit. The same thing. They're always waiting to turn it around, and they just how don't do it. How are they not like? How has Detroit or Orlando not landed a guy that's kind of put them over the top? And they've had first not picks. over the top, just over the edge, like where it's like we're not going to be. Yeah, just by the talent level that we just drafted, we're not going to be garbage. Right. Like they, those are the two recipients of the last two first round pe- first overall picks. Yes. Right. What are like Ben like, and and Cunningham and. They're just not good enough, right? Like Wembenyama is a different level. You, if you you get that first pick, it's got to be LeBron. You know, it's it's got to yeah. maybe not LeBron. That that might be rich, but it's got to be someone of substance that you know is immediately walking in and is going to be one of the ten best players in the league no within kidding. three or four years. What do you think is going to happen after Bedard gets selected? Where he's going to go first? What are the other the other teams going to be like? Well, now we really got some work to do. Yeah. We're really in one because we were tanking for that guy, and now he's not on our team, and what the hell are we going to do you're now? You're searching for a generational player again, and you're still going to be bad. That's your reality. Same thing with the NBA.
Our best bets brought to you by FanDuel. Still to come, Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 and on TSN 2.